make the list of the positives and the negatives Mm -hmm. and look at them, have them in front of you and balance all of it out. Don't buy into the fact that you have to make a decision right there in the moment. Yes, there are emergencies. There are situations where you come up on a bear. You're not going to just stand there and be like, oh, nice bear. How you doing, Mr. Bear? No, you're going to run. Because guess what? (laughs) The bear ain't weighing things out. Hey, everyone, and thanks so much for joining us. It is Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. I, a licensed therapist, and Brian, someone who has enjoyed a journey through therapy, and I know you've said it's really been very helpful in your life. Yeah, I wasn't enjoying the depression and the anxiety so much, so thank God for therapy because it was such a game changer. And considering the fact that we are doing our year-end edition Thank God 2020 is over because (laughs) I think we've all needed a little dose of therapy here over the course of the last year. And I think an interesting way to introduce this is sometimes depression can be on a case-by-case basis Mm -hmm. and it can be very situational. This is the first pandemic we've been through as a people and you can be the most positive person in the world, but if Mm -hmm. you've been locked down, if you've lost a job, if you've lost a loved one, you may suddenly find yourself depressed based off of all of those situations. Absolutely. And some people do have major depression, major depressive disorder, and that can be that it's more intense and it goes on for a long time. And definitely we want people to get help who have had depression ongoing. But there's also, like you said, situational depression, and we call it an adjustment disorder is usually how we approach it. It's very important to get some help around this because you can shorten the duration. You can also make it less intense for yourself as well to get some help. But like you mentioned, it could be job stress. It could be a crisis that happened. It could be something in your family, a loss, a job loss. And of course, there's just been so much going on right now. A lot of healthcare workers probably have this adjustment disorder. They're trying to figure out their way through all of this. It's very overwhelming dealing with this pandemic. And I can relate to this like nobody's business. I will tell you that my resting heart rate is basically Eeyore. Mm -hmm. I'm functioning, but I'm kind of a pessimist. I'm kind of depressive, but I can handle it. However, when certain challenges would present themselves, it would put me over the top. And that was the first time I ever heard the phrase situational depression. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem with something like this is, for me, I don't know what it is. It seems to come in waves all the time. It's never just one thing. And we've talked about that, too, where I had a therapist who told me it's like you're out in the middle of the ocean and you get knocked down by a wave, you get shoved down, you swim back to the surface, and then another one hits you. Mm -hmm. For example, you know, I had a very good friend and mentor murdered. Then I went through a divorce. Then I went through all kinds of job-related drama, Mm -hmm. changing jobs, losing a job. Then it was getting back on the dating scene and having my heart torn out of my chest over and over and over again. And at some point, I don't care how optimistic you think you are, Mm -hmm. you're going to get beaten down to an extent where you are going to become that depressed person and really need help. And the worst thing that you can do is say, I'm going to live in a state of denial and I'm going to figure out my way through this. Mm -hmm. When you're going through those situations, and I'm not somebody who is on medication right now, Mm -hmm. but there have been times when I've hit those areas where it's like, all right, it's time to Prozac up. It's time to take something to help me sleep at night because I'm not able to do that. And if you find yourself in those situations where you're having the sleepless night, where you're having trouble concentrating or focusing, that is a sign that something is bigger than you in the big picture and you need to get 
get some help. And that's the thing too, and I know people sometimes get nervous about the medication side of things. I always remind my clients that the medication does not have to be forever. Right. Sometimes I've been working with them and they're already prone to depression and anxiety, but then, like you said, situations come up and they just can't catch a break or a breath. And so then I'm reminding them of all the behavioral things that we do, but also that the medication may be able to take some of the edge off for a certain amount of time until the situations get better resolved. Then other things can kick in with their coping and stuff like that. So it's never something that you should feel any shame about as far as looking into your options. I think this is why we do the podcast is to help people to see that there's options out there. There can be different options that are good for different people, but to at least consider them and to be open to that. There was something else I wanted to speak to when you said about things piling up on you. I remember seeing a commercial that always struck me. They lost their job. Okay, I can keep going. Somebody broke up with them. All right, I'm just going to dig and keep going. And all these things happen. Then all of a sudden they go to catch the bus and the bus pulls away and they just ah, lost it. And over a relatively small thing. But it's what the straw happened was, that breaks the camel's back. Exactly. And so You're I burying think, so much and you explode like a volcano. Exactly. And I think that people need to be aware of this, that sometimes things keep piling and we keep pushing it down. And mm-hmm. we're like, no, no, I got this. I got this. But there's no shame in asking for help. And also notice, are you breaking over some of the things that would typically not upset you? Maybe there's a big undercurrent there that needs to be addressed and you need some support. And as we discussed last week, you might think that you're handling it, but inadvertently, you might be subconsciously taking it out on other people Mm -hmm. and affecting those relationships. And you might not even know that you're doing it. I also wanted to circle back to the medication thing. That was an unexpected left turn that we took. But having been a person who has been on and off of it Mm -hmm. over a course of about a decade, I can tell you this, much like with therapists, Again, it's not something that you necessarily have to commit to. Some people do forever. But it is also something, too, where, hey, if this one's not working, we can try this Mm -hmm. one. And if that one's not working, we can try another one. And I would go through phases where one would work for a year and then suddenly it wasn't as effective or I'd start getting side effects. At that point, I would explain everything that was going on and Mm -hmm. we would move on to the next one. It is much like that. If your chemistry with your therapist isn't good, we've talked about that. That doesn't mean that you can't get out of that relationship. It is the same thing with medication. And the other thing that I want to speak to in relation to medication and people who are reluctant to take it, because I was even more afraid of that than I was of therapy, Mm -hmm. because we have talked about the creative brain, which is the blessing and the curse. It is what I have. It is very active. It's hard to shut it down. And I was afraid because of what I do for a living. If I were to numb that, it would affect my job performance. Mm. I never found that to be the case. And I also want to tell people... It's not going to affect you to such a degree where you're like, all of my problems are solved. I'm euphoric. Everything is great. I'm looking at everything differently. No, it just kind of, I would say, tamps down Mm -hmm. some of the things that are just overwhelming you. It's not making you happy. It is just making you manage things. Mm -hmm. And I think the best way to describe it is when it's doing its best, it's kind of numbing you in that one particular area, but not in others. So that's a reason for people who might be afraid to take it. I would say, don't be afraid and don't feel like if I take it and then I get on it, I'm never going to be able to come off it because I'm living proof that once those situations dissipated, Mm -hmm. I remember going to my therapist and my primary care physician and saying, you know what? My life has turned back around. I don't think I need this anymore. And Mm -hmm. both of them were like, are you sure? 
And then what you can do too is cut down on the milligrams right. and ease off of the dosage. Mm-hmm. And then if you find yourself suddenly freaking out again, you can slowly get back right. onto it. And that's another reason too, you had support around you to mm-hmm. help you to taper that down. And also that you could talk to and say, ooh, maybe this is working, maybe this isn't for me. But I really do with my clients, I have so much empathy for them on trying to find medications that can help them manage their mental health. A lot of times, like you said, it will work for a certain amount of time and then it starts to not work, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. or there's certain side effects that are just interfering too much. I tell people, I really wish we could do like a blood draw and find out the right chemistry. Okay, then you need Prozac or you need this. It's so tough. And that is the problem that we do have to start out with different things and try it out. But you can get so much support around that. And like you also were saying, a lot of times people don't have to take them forever. Some people do choose to take certain medications over their lifetime, but it can help you with certain situations as well to find that balance. And in relation to what you were talking about as it pertains to avoiding your problems and pushing things down, Mm -hmm. if you do the same thing with medication, you suddenly might start getting into some bad habits where A, you are eating your problems away, Mm -hmm. B, you are drinking them away, C, you are smoking them away. You don't want to get on a path where you are self-medicating with things that can become addictive. You are so much better having a medical professional Mm -hmm. monitor how you are treating that as opposed to you just thinking that you can handle anything. And I have a friend who has suffered through depression. The analogy that he has used in the past that I think is a good one. If you break your leg, you don't say, well, I'll just take care of it myself. Mm -hmm. You head to the emergency Mm -hmm. room and you let the experts take care of that. This is an injury. This is a chemical imbalance and a sickness just like anything else Mm -hmm. that does at certain points require medical attention. And if you look at both of those things in the same way, maybe that will take some of the stigma away from you. Right. Also, another special note on anyone who's having addiction issues, that can alter your chemistry. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times addiction issues, they start because of a mental health issue. We start to drink or we start to use drugs to try to help manage our depression, our anxiety, our moods, and then it becomes out of control. People do not seek out different substances to try to have an issue with it. It becomes an issue and bigger than the problem you were trying to medicate eventually when people have these addiction issues. But when you go in for help, a big part of the assessment is also seeing if you do need medication, at least for a little while, while your brain is trying to get back to normal and operate without these substances. So I think it's an important piece for that. Again, not everybody wants to be on medication, and that's totally fine. But I think it's just something to consider as an option to know it's there if you need it. And to speak further to what you're saying, alcohol, a lot of people don't know this because in the moment, it feels like it is bringing Mm -hmm. relief. But in the big picture, it is a depressant and it actually is exacerbating the problem Mm -hmm. and you don't even realize it. And then what you end up doing subconsciously is you tell yourself, I need more and more and more Mm -hmm. of this to take care of it. And boy, oh boy, is that a slippery slope. And physically, your body starts to need more and more to feel the same thing that you used to feel into this deeper problem. Yeah, Um, you're just digging a hole and then suddenly you look up and there's no way out of it. Yeah, and it's really tough. I've seen so many inspirational stories. I have so many people, oh, I can't even tell you how proud of them I am because as hard as it can be and how tough you see what people have, especially dealing with mental health and substance issues, there is so much help out there and there's so much inspiration. So I just encourage people to seek that because it's just amazing. I have stories of people who are just like doing unbelievable things and they're back to doing phenomenal at work and their family situations. Like so many things have improved because they decided that they really needed to take that step into getting help. And here's the good news too about situational depression. There are people who are chronically depressed and Mm -hmm. that is something that you have to deal with on a daily basis. 
daily basis. But they call it situational because it was something that didn't exist before. It becomes a situation. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a situation for the rest of your life. And that is if you address it in the right way. It can be just as temporary and fleeting and non-existent once you come out on the other Mm -hmm. side of that. There's no permanence to that if you handle it correctly. Now, some people might say, I had a loved one pass away. And look, you never get over that. I lost my mom this year. I've had a lot of loss. Like I mentioned, a good friend and a mentor who was murdered. And while my life is never going to be the same, I have the tools to be able to process that in ways prior to therapy, I had no hope and I just kept spiraling downward and downward and downward and it was getting worse and worse and worse. And if I continued on that path, look, as I've said before, I sat in a garage one night with the car running thinking, can I take any more of this? Is this the only way out of this? And it wasn't. And thank God I didn't because so many other good things since I have seen the light. I will forever miss my mom. I will forever miss my friend and mentor. And I have a zillion examples of that. But at some point, you have to realize that death is a part of life, and it is a part of being human, and we're all going to be there eventually. It's just not something that can't be dealt with. It is something that you are making a choice as to whether or not you are going to deal with it properly. Right. And like you said, with the situational depression, you know, we have certain situations. I don't like to use normal or there's a quote unquote typical response to certain things. If it's more escalated and more intense than that, it could be situational depression. And if it's even more than that, it could be a major depression episode. Mm -hmm. Getting that help if you start to see some behavior shifts in yourself, some mood shifts, if other people are giving you that feedback that they're concerned about you, if you're having concentration and focus problems. If you are dealing with something but it is feeling harder than you're feeling like it should be, it's like, okay, we need to shine a light on this and help you with that. And like you said, especially if you are feeling unsafe, everything's getting more and more intense or you're having any suicide ideation, definitely reaching out. I always like to give the suicide prevention hotline. It's also a chat line, 1-800-273-8255. There's also a text line too, 741741. You can text home to that. Really important because sometimes the lines are blurred. It's hard to tell. Is this a major depressive episode? Is this more of the situational depression? But anything that's feeling not well for you and you're having some trouble functioning in certain areas, definitely seek some support around that. In addition to all of that too, also look for this red flag because I don't think a lot of people consider this one. Mm -hmm. You get to a place where you just don't want to participate in life anymore and maybe you're spending more time in bed or maybe you're making statements like, I'm never going to get married again. I'm never Mm going to be in a relationship again. I'm going to shut it all down because I want this hard shell to protect me from things that actually might bring you joy at some point. Well, that's the thing, because you don't feel the joy anymore. Things that you used to love, like, hey, going fishing, going for a walk, hanging out with friends, you don't feel like doing it. You don't have the motivation. You just don't feel like it. It doesn't bring you the joy that it used to. That's a big sign of depression. Yeah, you're taking it to an extreme. I guarantee you that if you run away from all of those things, you're never going to be happy Mm -hmm. again. You're going to be the tortoise inside the shell all alone, dealing with these issues in the worst possible ways. You're pouring gasoline on on the fire. And it's interesting, Brian, because a lot of times we assume that people know what depression is. But I've talked to some people who they might intellectually know when someone else is depressed, but they don't really get it that they are. I've had clients where I might say, oh, okay, it sounds like you're not feeling so much motivation. You're sleeping a 
lot more, your energy is low, your body actually kind of aches and you're just not feeling great in that way. And also you're feeling more withdrawn and it seems like you're depressed. And they're, oh no, I'm not depressed. And it's interesting. Sometimes people don't get that. Sometimes I get anxious, but I'm not depressed. Talking about this is realizing sometimes this sneaks up on you. You start to isolate a little bit more. You withdraw from people. It can slowly come upon us and all of a sudden we're in a place where we're like, my life does not look like what it did maybe a few months ago or a year ago. And to show you how debilitating and overwhelming it can become, and Courtney, I'm sure that you have seen examples of this and maybe Mm -hmm. you've personally had these too. I know people who are psychologists, Mm -hmm. psychiatrists, therapists, social workers who have something horrible happen to them. Mm -hmm. I end up trying to talk to them about it. Mm -hmm. And as I hear everything that they're saying back to me, I say, you need to listen to yourself right now. And you need to think of yourself as your own patient, because if a patient was saying these things to you and the behaviors that you are exhibiting intellectually, you have to know that you're doing the wrong thing or you can't see the forest for the trees Right. right now because this is overwhelming you so much. So even in spite of, Courtney, all of the education and experience that you've had, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, even being a mental health professional, Mm -hmm. it can get to you too. And I'm sure you've caught yourself sometimes. Brian's trying to give me a message here, people. No, I'm not talking about you at (laughs) all. No, I know. I I specifically know somebody, I'll give you an example, who ended up losing a husband and Mm. started having issues with her children because of it and just started becoming so smothering and Mm. just wanting to get all of the joy out of the kids because there was this big gaping hole and it wasn't about seeking love again. It was about protecting yourself from that. Mm -hmm. It was getting to the point where the kids started to withdraw and then she started spiraling down further. And this is what I'm talking about where you don't realize how your depression is hurting other people. And then at some point they had to say, you're a therapist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What would you say to a patient right now? You're doing everything wrong and Mm -hmm. you should know better. And as you said, these can be smart people and intellectually you would think they would know what depression is, but I don't care what your education or experience is Mm -hmm. or your background. We are all susceptible to this, but take comfort in that and realize that you're not alone. If a medical professional Mm -hmm. can find him or herself in this situation, what chance do any of the rest of us have? Well, it's tough. I think we all have blinders on. We have an image that we have of ourselves. And that could be the thing is like, no, I'm not depressed. I'm trying to do everything I can. There's certain things that we say, oh, no, this is depression, but that's not depression. And we justify and rationalize. And we do need our friends and supports around us to kind of hold up that mirror and say, "Ooh, what's going on here? And kind of reflect back. That is really important. But it is. It's so true that we do that. And a lot of times I'll have to stop myself. It may not be about depression, but I might be like, okay, what's going on with this anxiety? And let me give myself some support, kind of check myself a little bit. Or maybe you even catch an unhealthy behavior, mm-hmm. just something yeah. that small. Yep. Where you're like, oh, well, that's not something that yeah, I would recommend that a patient right, should do. Right, exactly. And I think that's an important part of our self-awareness and our insight. I've had my moments. We mentioned this before. There was something that got me overwhelmed. And I know for me, I need to just get it out and move on and process it. But if I try to push it down and not feel it in the moment, it becomes a problem. And so sometimes I just have a moment where I'm like, okay, I just need to like get a tear out, have a moment. That is healthy for me. But sometimes it can be embarrassing because you're just, oh, I'm just going to let myself feel this feeling. Well, yeah, because then I can just 
just get rid of it. And I teach my clients about noticing things, not being so attached to your feelings, giving them some space, but then kind of moving on and letting it move on rather than either trying to push it down or to allow it to make all the decisions in your life. Because then we're very impulsive with our emotions. It can bring us into a not so good place. So there's all these things that I do to check myself. But of course, I'm human. So there's sometimes I have blinders on and I'm not seeing the full picture. Well, isn't that the thing, though? Never apologize for or be ashamed of being human. (laughs) That's the experience of life. And you're going to trip. You're going to fall down every once in a while. Mm -hmm. But it's about how you pick yourself up and dust yourself off. And that's the thing. You can fall down a flight of stairs and everybody can laugh at you. But if you do break the ankle, you're going to go have to take care of that, as we discussed earlier. And it's the same thing with, yeah, if you stumble a little bit and you embarrass Mm -hmm. yourself in front of somebody. And I say this all the time to you. I have so much radio experience and you are relatively new to the full-time radio game and mm-hmm. you'll make a mistake on the radio and you get really upset about it and it starts to consume well, you. Because it's the morning show, Brian. But by the same token, <laughs> this is what I've learned. You're the only one who's thinking about this all day know, long. And anybody who's listening, first of all, it's a background I noise. know, but you do it too, Brian. You do it too. No, I really don't. <laughs> you don't? No, I really I don't. don't. I've I mean, seen how you often, go. as I say many times, it's only radio nobody died. I get upset <laughs> When other people do things that are preventable, that make me angry, like when there are equipment problems and I try to bring it to their attention and then they make excuses for it, that stuff drives me crazy. Okay. But when it comes to me flubbing something or saying something <laughs> stupid, in five seconds it's gone. Much as no one else is ever thinking about it again, right. why am I going to be up at night over that sort No, of but thing? it was a competition thing, and I think that's what I was thinking of, because you were all like, well, oh that's, man, that's going to get stuck in my head, because you have a thing about competition. But that's not a radio thing. That's, know, that's an everyday life thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it was on the radio, so I remember just thinking, see, that's an example. There's certain things, that's what it is for me. So that's what I explain to clients, is that if you can go and like solve somebody else's life problems and be like, it's so easy, just do this, 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 that means it's not your issue. Because if it's your issue, that's the one that you stumble on. That's hard for you to change. So we all have our own issues and we're trying to help each other through it. But yeah, it can be easy for me to say, hey, just do A, B, C, and D because those aren't my issues. Or sometimes it becomes the thing that we've talked about in the past where Eddie Van Halen could not teach his son how to play guitar because he's Eddie Van Halen. Like, I just don't get why you're not getting this. You're Eddie Van Halen. I know you get it. That's the thing. We all have different brains. We have a lot in common, but we also have things that we have to just appreciate. This is another line I hear from clients all the time. Who does that? They'll describe something that drives them crazy and then they'll say, but who does that? I go, well, obviously they do. Everybody does everything in this world and we have to find a place to be able to have some acceptance because we all are operating a little bit differently in how we see the world, which makes it beautiful. That's what makes the world great. We wouldn't want everybody to be the same, but it also drives us crazy sometimes because we don't understand how people can do certain things. And the area in which I really have to catch myself a lot of times is I have such a hard shell because I've worked in so many areas where criticism is something that I get every day. I've caught myself saying to my wife, who really is sensitive to this sort of thing, who cares what somebody else thinks of you for the love yeah. of God? And that's where I'm Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, and exactly. Because you don't get it. Wolfgang. You're like, why are you letting this whole you know, She bring it down. hasn't worked these jobs where mm-hmm. she's getting punched in the face every 10 mm-hmm. seconds. And after a while, it just becomes white noise. <laughs> You're like desensitized. You're like, whatever. Take yeah. it. I'll take a left hook. And I say the same thing to her about social media and stuff where I just say, get off of it. Do you mm-hmm. need to be on it? I post way more than I observe yeah. because I find myself, when I am 
am observing, mm-hmm. I do get worked up and I get angry. Yeah. So I'm like, well, why am I going to do something that yeah. unhealthy? But that's easy for me to say because right. I've been around that block enough times. Mm-hmm. But you have to realize that not everybody has walked a mile right. in your shoes. Right. So if you're that person on the outside, and this can probably speak to last week's episode where you're trying to convince somebody mm-hmm. to get into therapy or to do the right thing. Right. Something that just seems so clear, so right. crystal clear crystal to clear. you, yeah. to other people is just completely and totally alien. And you have to be sympathetic to that. And fact. I'm sure that your wife, Carla, has said to you about certain things that you were getting worked up about. Like, Brian, what's the big deal? You know what I mean? She just didn't get it. And your brain's like, oh, my gosh. Well, the thing where she has an issue with me and vice versa and that I battle all the time, people tell me, you're too pessimistic. And I say, you call it pessimism. I call it realism. Mm-hmm. I say that you are living in a world of denial. (laughs) You're You're trying to tell yourself something that makes yourself feel better just for the sake of that. Mm -hmm. You're not dealing with that reality. And I think that's something that I learned from therapy, like you said, not to pretend that something's not happening. If you're upset about something, be upset in that moment, Mm -hmm. just like you said, and don't be embarrassed by it. I think that's something that I still battle, and we've talked about this in the past. I channeled through my therapist my depression into anger. Mm. And I have much more control over anger, but a lot of people have a tougher time dealing with my right. anger because when I was de- right. depressed, I would withdraw. Yeah. And then at that point, I'm not really doing anything that affects anybody else. Mm-hmm. If I'm throwing a shit, <laughs> <laughs> there are other people who are going to be impacted yeah. by that. Right. So it is. It's a balance it's of a balance all of these act, things. Yeah. And I've worked with plenty of people who, if I've tried to help them channel their anger into feeling some sadness and being like, let's get what's underneath it. There's always something underneath your anger. And they're like, no, no, I'm just mad. I'm like, nope, you're disappointed. You're upset. You're frustrated. You're heartbroken. You are trying to protect yourself with anger. And anger can be an illusion in that way, too, because we think it protects us because it makes us feel empowered. But sometimes, especially when it goes over a certain line, we don't look so empowered. If you watch someone who's really, really angry, it looks like, oh, maybe they're not so in control. So I've worked with a lot of people who have had anger over and above, who I've tried to have to help them to tap into some of the sad feelings. But like you said, it's that balancing act. You don't want people to be always blaming and beating themselves up, but you also don't want people to be raging. So you're trying to figure out how do you acknowledge all these feelings and come to a healthier place. Never put all of your emotional eggs in one Mm -hmm. basket, I think is the message there. And the thing that I like about anger more so than depression is what we were talking about earlier. There would be days that I could not get out of bed. Anger does not do that to me. Mm -hmm. It isn't something that just completely and totally takes over my life. It's like I just have the moment to go and then it's gone. gone. Depression, it's Mm -hmm. just lingering and lingering and lingering. But we also spoke to this on our radio show earlier this week where I said when you're making decisions, another thing that I have learned is never make a decision that is based totally on emotion Mm -hmm. or totally on logic. You've got to be right down the middle. Exactly. You have to say, is this the smart thing to do? Mm -hmm. And you also have to ask yourself, is my heart into this? The area in which I've seen so many people trip up is the area of love and romance, Mm -hmm. where you get that initial burst of that first month thing where everything is perfect and all of your friends can (laughs) see what a douchebag you are or the other person (laughs) is. And you know that this thing is going to crash and burn because we're seeing it logically and you're not. You're just all about the emotion. Mm -hmm. There's no talking to those people. 
But I think what you have to ask yourself when you find yourself in that place, mm-hmm. am I being completely emotional right now? Am I using logic? Or am I overthinking something to the extent that I'm just being too black and white about it and my heart isn't into it? Right. And I think that's where the line can be drawn between depression and anger, too. You don't want 98% of one and 2% of the other. Right. And you want to use wise mind, like you said. We consider the logical mind and the emotional mind, but you don't want the emotional mind running the show all the time. Sometimes it's okay for your emotions to make the decisions, but in general, it's great to have your wise mind because you use your emotions to inform you like, oh, what am I feeling here? What's going on here? Are my values being stepped on? Am I upset with something? But the wise mind helps you to accept that and to also look at the bigger picture. What are the consequences here? What do I have to be aware of? And that's what you're speaking to, to not just go with the emotional part. To give you the perfect example that I just recently witnessed, my wife lost her job due to the pandemic and had been out of work since July. And then all of a sudden she had two job offers. Mm. You could get offered all the money in the world to do something that ultimately you're going to hate. Mm -hmm. But you say, yeah, but I'm going to get paid so much. I think that's going to make me happy. Or maybe you can take 75% of that pay doing something that is far more rewarding. And as long as you're not bankrupting yourself, that actually might be the better option. Mm -hmm. But logic would tell you, Take all the money. Right. Emotion would tell you, I have to spend every day doing this for I don't know how many years. Mm-hmm. And what is that going to do to me? So you have to take both of those yeah. things together. It sounds silly, but people talk about this. And I said this to her, too. Make the list of the positives and the negatives mm-hmm. and look at them. Have them in front of you and balance all of it out. Some of those positives are going to be emotional. Some are going to be logical. The right. same thing on the negative end. But that's how hard you need to work at doing the right thing. Not only when it comes to selecting a job, but also taking care of yourself from a mental health perspective. Check all the boxes. And don't buy into the fact that you have to make a decision right there in the moment. Emotions will tell you, I have to do something about this right now. Mm -hmm. And 99% of the time, you don't. Yes, there are emergencies. There are situations where you come up on a bear. You're not going to just stand there and be like, oh, nice bear. How you doing, Mr. Bear? No, you're going to run. Because guess what? (laughs) The bear ain't weighing things out. (laughs) The bear's like, lunch, lunch. Exactly. So we do need to sometimes make very quick decisions. However, most of the time, our emotion will tell us, oh my gosh, I need to do this right now and make it so urgent that we roll into these things that later on we're like, oh man, I should have thought about that. Wise Mind helps you to take a pause, take a breath, and look at the bigger picture and make a decision from there. And like you said, if you have two jobs, you might be like, I don't know, what should I do? They're both waiting to hear from me. And Wait a minute. You have some time. Let's look at this. Like you said, a pros and cons list. That works for a lot of people. Sitting there and just kind of visualizing. That works for people. Just thinking about it, saying, all right, I'm going to give myself some time on this. That will help you to engage all the parts of the brain that you need to, rather than just the emotional part that's going, you need to do this right now. Look at life as a buffet. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love macaroni and cheese. (laughs) Of course you'd bring up a buffet. (laughs) Emotionally, I'd say, I'm going to go up for the fourth serving. But logically, I'm going to say, I want to live past the age of 52. What's the consequence (laughs) of eating all that mac and cheese? (laughs) So while it's okay to treat yourself to the mac and cheese every once in a while, maybe you should do it in moderation. If Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with emotion, Mm -hmm. I'm going to gorge myself. If I'm going to go with logic, I'm not going to have it and I'm going to deny myself that happiness. Mm -hmm. What's the middle ground Exactly. And we have all different parts of our brain to help us 
us with that so that we don't get just stuck in one place. Now, that I'm speaking said, the fat guy's language. There's some fat guy out there who's like, I get it. I, I finally get it. He's saying that with a mouthful of macaroni there and cheese. But hey, one step at a time. Baby one steps. Step at a time. But see, that's another reason for therapy that's so great is because sometimes we have been ruled by one part of our brain mm-hmm. that goes back to memory, goes back to trauma, goes back to automatic behaviors. And we feel like we have no control. And again, in therapy, we can learn how to slow that down, how to help us see the bigger picture and how to make better choices for ourselves and also to process things so we can get it kind of off of our chest and off of our shoulders. So that's another reason that therapy can be very helpful. Think of the cartoons. You've got the angel on one shoulder mm-hmm. and the devil on the other. And it's We're a constant battle between the two. <laughs> and it's ultimately up to you in relation to yeah. who you're going to listen to and how you're going to I'd act. have to flick that little devil off your shoulder and say, <laughs> Unfortunately, oh, <here> <laughs> 85% of the time, devil on the left, devil on the right. <laughs> they just pop right back two up. Two devils fighting it out. <laughs> I knock one out, the other one jumps back up. Well, what a way to wrap up 2020, Courtney. Hopefully, there are a lot of people who have been situationally depressed and mm-hmm. maybe haven't even realized it. Right. And look, if you are, of all years, you're entitled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But this there are things that you can do about it to make it all better, like go up for that fourth serving of macaroni and cheese. Now, that's a temporary solution. <laughs> We're not recommending that. Well, in the meantime, before 2021 rolls around, mm-hmm. even though we're going to be going away for a couple of weeks, we're still very reachable. Yes. Well, not me necessarily. I'm the <laughs> yeah, ultimate Bri- recluse. I don't know if Brian's going to get back but to you But you can contact soon. Courtney and she'll pass the message along. <laughs> Courtney, how can they get in touch with you? You can always email me, wellness at wctk.com. And also feel free to check out all of our resources. We have some great ones, catcountry.com on the Wellness Wednesday page. Listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Catch us on socials at Cat Country Mornings in most places. I'm Brian Mulhern on a lot of my individual pages at Brian Cat Country on Twitter. We have Courtney Kelly over there. We Mm -hmm. also have Courtney Kelly Bedard. And you know what? As we say so many times, share this. Mm -hmm. Share this with somebody who you think could use it and let people know about it so we can get those numbers up and solve a lot of our financial problems (laughs) and get less depressed ourselves. all about us. <laughs> so until then, whatever you celebrate, Merry yes. Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Happy New Year to everybody. Yes. Here's hoping we get a much better 2021 oh. than we got a 2020. But you know what? For as bad as this year has been, we appreciate every single one of you who have taken the time to listen to what has been the beginning of the voyage yes. of Coping on the Couch with Courtney and Brian. We thank you all. Happy holidays and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs>